Hey y'all, this is Justin Mitchell from the Sun-Herald in Biloxi, Mississippi, and this is Out Here in America. This is my final week at the Sun-Herald, and sadly, my last episode of Out Here in America. But before I go, I wanted to share the story of a longtime friend and co-worker named Margaret Baker, and the important story she covered here that's changing lives in the LGBTQ community everywhere. I was actually um, having lunch with somebody, and they said, hey, you heard about that case in George County? I said, yeah, I heard about that. Some Alabama boy got killed, huh? I said, well, all I'm gonna say is, he had a bra on. And I said, he had a bra on, okay. Well, there's something missing here. Margaret is the lead investigative reporter here at the Sun-Herald. Much of what she covers is pretty heavy. And in 2015, she kept digging, even when police here didn't have anything else to say. She wound up uncovering the true story behind the killing of a 17-year-old named Mercedes Williamson. This is a young person who had had essentially come out to her family. You know, to this day, they call Mercedes Michael. Williamson was killed by her boyfriend, Josh Vallum. But far from being a local crime of passion, Margaret's reporting showed that Vallum had committed a federal hate crime. Because some states, like Mississippi, don't have hate crime statutes, the groundbreaking federal prosecution of Vallum, based on Margaret's reporting, now means that other transgender victims around the country are more likely to see justice. Margaret's reporting led her to being part of the BBC documentary Love and Hate Crime. She even went to New York to talk about the hate crime with a panel for investigation discovery. I'm really pleased to see this type of hate crime in Mississippi that is actually getting attention. Because in the South, there's a general feeling we don't really want to read about it. I sat down with Margaret in her home in Biloxi, to hear why this case became so much more meaningful to her than all the others she's covered. For one last time, this is Out Here in America. So Margaret, how long have you been at the Sun-Herald? Over 24 years, soon be 25. Well, things haven't slowed down (laughs) since the last two decades, that's for sure. Oh no, oh no. Because when I started in 2012 at the Sun-Herald, You were investigating the Jackson County Sheriff. The Jackson County Sheriff, yes. Dealing with this Jackson County Sheriff, this was was a whole new ball game. You know, this was a man just rooted in, you know, alleged corruption. You know, this was something I can remember the whole thing kicked off when I had a guy, a cop, very high up in the department, literally call me in tears. And he said, you know, Margaret, I'm more afraid of the cops on the street than I am the criminals. You've got to do something to help us. That's how it started. There was a lot of threats involved. There was a lot of, you know, warnings to me from law enforcement officials to, you know, check my trash can every, you know, at home every morning, every night, make sure nobody had planted anything in my trash can drugs whatever, this particular sheriff, Mike Bird, um, at one point had, had, you know, held me in his office and I was unable to get out. And that was frightening for me. It was very frightening. You know, he let me know that he knew where I lived, that he had been by there. You know, I'm not a big crier. I don't cry, I don't get upset, usually in a forum like that because I'm kind of used to people getting angry. But that particular day, 
nose to nose to me, screaming at the top of his voice. He told me, everybody hates your guts in the loudest fashion that you can imagine. He was warning me to stop, stop what I was looking into, to just stop. I wasn't gonna do it. And a little known secret about that whole thing is, he didn't know, but I had stuck a recorder in my pocket and I recorded the whole thing. And Mike Berg got indicted. He did. And the story still never stopped for you. The tips never, never stopped coming in. I sit really close to your desk, so I hear them all the time. Yeah, you do. And, you know, to this day, I mean, I, you know, I, I just got one, you know, day before yesterday about him. Um, never stops. Never stops. Never stops. So, Margaret, do you remember when you got the first call about the Mercedes Williamson case? It wasn't so much a call. I was actually um, having lunch with somebody. Pretty early on, they knew that this Joshua Vallum was involved. It didn't take long. I saw comments, you know, and, the, and these were comments just out of the blue. These were people saying, rest in peace, Mercedes Williamson. And I'm going, okay, now who's Mercedes Williamson? You know, this is a young man named Christopher. Nobody ever released it. I'm not real sure they ever would have. This is a county where there's deep roots in Christianity. This is, this is the epitome of, you know, of, a, of a county and an area, and it's not even to be derogatory to that area, just, just not a place um, that they would want any publicity, especially about you know, a crime involving what turned out to be a, a young lady that was transgender. I have to tell you, I remember this lunch vividly in your mind. You came back because, you know, an Alabama boy killed in Greene County. Greene County is a, is a rural area in Mississippi on the cusp of our coverage area. We don't cover it a lot. Right. And we didn't think we were going to be doing much with it. And I remember you telling me, and of course, at that point, it was very quiet. And it was just the two of us. And I remember saying, Margaret, you have to do this. Like, this is crazy. Like, things like this, well, at the time, I thought, things like this don't happen here. And then you got to digging. I did. And when I got to digging, it led me to actually uh, started looking around, started contacting people that would write in. And, and I ended up finding Mercedes' roommate. And uh, I was determined. I wanted to find out who she was because, you know, a lot of what was being portrayed is just this 17-year-old that was killed and a person was going to be taken into custody and that's that. Well, this particular young woman, you know, was hiding out. She had shared a trailer uh, with Mercedes. She agreed to let me come and meet her. And the thing about that was I knew I had to go alone. I wanted to go alone. Were you not scared to go to Alabama alone? No, I prefer to go alone. It was the Latin King's turf. And, and it, you know, this all goes to his gang because, you know, they, a part of their bylaws is you cannot be homosexual. You cannot, period. For, for Josh, you know, he basically chose, my gang is more important, the Latin Kings are more important to me 
than this relationship with a person that I happen to love. Tell me about the last day when you, you saw her that day walking, right? Mm -hmm. Well, I'd like to hear more about, you know, how you discovered whatever you thought was not. I mean, we were making out in my car mm -hmm. and I reached down and felt something that wasn't supposed to be there. Next thing I know, there's a dead body and I've got a hammer in my hand. You remember saying anything to her? I remember screaming at her, but I don't know what I said. You remember anything she said? She said, oh God, Josh, please, no. I think he is tormented by that and I think he will be for the rest of his life. When I got there, what surprised me was you had to go down this long dirt road. It wasn't like you just turned off a highway. So you're completely isolated back here, and you're talking about four or five trailers, mobile homes. And you know, and when I say mobile homes, you have to understand these are dilapidated, not in good shape. But this is where Mercedes lived. You know, these were a lot of pe these were people that were involved in drugs, very deeply involved in drugs, meth, cocaine, whatever. So I knew that, you know, I knew it was dealing with some shady characters and, and some scary, you know, putting myself in, probably in a dangerous situation. So what did Mercedes' roommate tell you about her? She told me that Mercedes was a good person, a really good person, that she'd do anything she could to help people. You know, of course, this lady didn't want to quite admit to her drug use. She told me she had a nervous condition and had somehow ended up with scabs all over her face. But, you know, the, the interesting thing from that interview was with her was that, and to this day, from the beginning, she knew exactly what she was talking about. She told me, she said, I can tell you who did this to Mercedes, and it was Josh Vallum. And at that point, Josh had not been arrested. She said, Josh picked her up that day. I know Josh picked her up that day. I had a child that saw Josh pick her up that day. Josh is in a gang. We know the gang. They lived in a house just around the corner. And then Chief Flat told me that Josh had been sexually involved with Mercedes for some time. Literally, that Josh loved her, you know. Did you believe her? Yes, I did. I did. Yeah, I believe that you have to interview the people that know the people involved best, and they are truly the ones that know. They know what's going on. And uh, I never regretted that interview. That was a good interview, and she was right. So in your opinion, what made police finally tell you, yes, this was a transgender woman? Because we put it out there. Because we reported it. We got it confirmed. We were the ones that put it out there first. No one ever told us. This is a transgender girl that was, that was the victim of this crime. And this turned into the first federally prosecuted hate crime against a transgender person in the United States. It certainly did, yes. And I'm proud of that work. You know, I, I, you know I've gotten a lot of compliments from uh, people in law enforcement, even in, you know, in, in federal law enforcement. How long did this investigation last, Mark? Over a year. Over a year, if not more. And most of the time you were going over to these areas by yourself? Yeah. No phone service? It was shoddy. Sometimes I would have it, sometimes it would go out. You know, you never knew what was going to happen over there. 
but um, they cared about her and they had nothing bad to say. You know, they accepted her for who she was. She'd do anything to help them. You know, and all of them knew that, that she was in love with this gang member. This was not a secret. I sat on the bench out back where a little concrete table, and that was where Mercedes, you know, I like to kind of get a feel for what they're doing. And this is where they would sit out every afternoon and, you know, they would have their beers or whatever and have a little smoke or whatever, some dope, whatever they were doing. And, and you know, Mercedes had a hard life. She uh, sometimes had to do what she had to do to make money, you know. She had a prostitute at times. It was, you know, um, you know, this is this is a young person who had, from a very young age, had essentially come out to her family. Well, the father disowned her. The mother, sadly enough, you know, was involved in drugs and, and doing drugs with Mercedes. So Mercedes was kind of in a and a really, she was in a, in a situation where she didn't have a lot of room to advance. It was sad. But you know, she fell in love and she fell in love with the wrong person. And, and Josh, I truly believe, love, loves her to this day. But he hated homosexuals and by extension, he hated himself, most of all. I just wanna know why this story was so important to you. You know, I think, I think a lot of times there are people in certain communities, and especially in the South, that can be easily ignored, you know, pushed aside as unimportant. Their deaths mean nothing. Who they were mean nothing. But they're people, you know, they're people. And frankly, there are people living in an area where fear is real for being who you are. If you're different, there's a real fear. I have that fear. I'm different. I have that fear. You know, all my life, I've, I've held it pretty close to my vest about my own personal life. But you know, uh, there comes a time where you just have to, you know, put yourself out there. But Mercedes' story didn't end in Mississippi for you. No, we ended up in New York and LA. All of us, yeah. Yeah, Amanda too, behind the camera. You know, that, that was a very special time for me in more ways than one. Now we seal your promises to each other with these rings. I got married in New York. On the most beautiful, beautiful rooftop deck. And uh, I married someone that I love very deeply and we are very committed and uh, she is, we're gay, what can I say? And we love each other and we've been, been together for uh, 20 years. And the thing is that people don't realize is we're probably no different than you or anybody else, you know. We live our lives, we go to work, we cook our meals, we eat dinner, we spend time with our grandchildren, we spend time with our nieces and nephews, and you know, we squabble at times, I mean, and we're both journalists. And for me, you know, it's, it's kind of hard. I come from a family that it's, it's been very difficult. It still is difficult. 
you know, when I grew up, it was hard. It was very hard. And, um, you know, I'm come from this place where, you know, even, you know, and I don't want to get emotional on me, but simple things that people don't think about, um, holidays, hard. Holidays are hard for me. You know, you want, usually on your holiday, you want your whole family there, and that includes your family that, you know, and, and I love my parents, and I know they love me. I can't take Anita home for Christmas to stay at the house. Thankfully, we have very supportive and, you know, siblings, my brother, his wife, my nieces, and all of them. And, and my dad, you know, my dad does the best he can. He came from a different generation. It's a different generation. He loves me. And that's not going to change, but it's hard. You know, my life, I've been told a lot of things, hurtful things. I've done things that even God won't forgive. You know, when I covered Mike Bird, uh, there was a press conference one time, and uh, graciously enough, there are a lot of my sources that do know my personal life. Not because I told them, I guess they just somehow found out, but I can remember it being at one press conference and, you know, in a back room, we had this sheriff who was later indicted uh, going off and telling everybody I was just nothing but an effing and on and on and on, and you know, you're you're talking about the U.S. attorneys in the room, and you know, the head of the DEA, and you know, and 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 the same exact sheriff. You know, when I was covering him and the corruption, you know, we get accusations on a public Facebook page that I was making unwanted advances on female deputies. I can remember that day. I went outside and cried. One, I don't even know how to make an advance anymore because I've been in the same relationship for so long, I don't even know how to do that. But, you know, it's just, it's scary, you know, it's scary. It's a different time. Different time, but, you know, I am who I am. There's, you know, I'm sure it was a dead giveaway growing up. I still have G.I. Joe and Big Jim and the original, the original. Always dressed in cowboy outfits, didn't want to dress in the cowgirl outfits. And I just always knew I was different from a very young age. I can't even remember the first person I was around, you know, that I realized that was different. It scared me, you know, it scared me because I thought, what's wrong with you? What's wrong? And I was young then, you know, I was still, still uh, before high school. Wouldn't accept it. Are you happy that you and Anita got to come together and share vows in a place that is uniquely special to you? Absolutely, I am. You know, the people involved became very special to me. But there's a little, there's a dip of sadness in that too. You know, because there's people that you want, that you love to be there too. And, you know, again, you know, my brother, my sister-in-law, all of them would have been there probably I'd been able to give them a heads up ahead of time. In fact, in fact I got in trouble for not telling them after the fact. So. Um, so I have a lot of support, you know. You, you have to understand, I think, to some extent that some families, you know, that their parents grew up in a different generation and they're not gonna accept you, but, you know, there's nothing you can do about it except for try to come to terms with it. But there's still grief. There's grief. There's hurt. There's Christmases you spend apart. 
There's Thanksgiving, she's been apart. There's the annual holiday fights on what to do, because everybody's stressed out and upset. You know, but I have a remarkable stepdaughter, Alex. She's like, I call her my daughter. She told me not to call her stepdaughter, that she refers to daughter. And uh, love her very much. I have nieces and nephew I love very much, and they accept me. And you know, there's others in my family that don't. And I got a lot of friends that are behind me too. You're one of them. And I thank you for that. But you know, I guess we all have our obstacles. I love you. Before I go for good, I wanted to thank all the listeners who joined us on this journey to give visibility to an often misrepresented or ignored community in the South. I've sat with strippers, preachers, radio stars, a few celebrities, and some close friends who opened their doors and their hearts to me for this show. We've shown you that LGBTQ people don't just fit into one box. And along the way, I've learned something too. We're more than a flag, more than a punchline, more than a gay bar. Thanks to the Sun Herald and McClatchy and this awesome team for letting Out Here in America happen. It means the world to me. Hi everyone, it's Amanda, the show producer here in Biloxi. I've had the good fortune to be by Justin's side since the beginning of Out Here in America. It's been an amazing experience, but just as amazing, Justin, I've had you as a coworker, a creative partner, and a friend. I will truly miss you, but I am so proud of what you've accomplished. Before you sign off, one last time, we want to say thank you for everything. And some of our past guests wanted to say a few words, too. Hi, Justin. This is Lynn Koval, and I just wanted to take a minute to wish you the best of luck. And I just want to tell you how proud I am of you for providing a very well-grounded, strong, gay outlet. Hi, Justin. It's Ann Madden from Bay St. Louis. Justin, I can't thank you enough for including me in your Out Here in America podcast. It really was amazingly flattering. You and Amanda made me feel so comfortable the whole time. I am truly, truly grateful. Hi, Justin. It's Trevor. I can't express enough how proud I am of you and what you've accomplished as a journalist. Um, And I am forever grateful for the opportunities that you've given to me and so many other queer folks in South Mississippi. I wish you the best of luck, and thank you so much for all you do. Thank you, thank you, thank you, and good luck to all that you do in the future. Thank you for being a voice for us. Continue to spread your love and your staff, and I'm just so thankful to know you and to have been able to share my story with you.